to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Um. My sermon is entitled for this cause. Yeah. Now, um, in between the last whim and this one, uh, one development that came on my end is a certain little girl. And uh, so I figured I need to start doing more fatherly things. And uh, I'm told one thing that fathers are known for is telling dry jokes and expecting everyone to laugh. So every now and then I start with one or two of them. So apparently, (laughs) during the time of creation, God was talking to one of his angels and he said, do you know what I've just done? I've just created 24 hours of of alternating light and darkness on earth. Isn't that good? The angel says, yes, but what will you do now? And God looked and said, I think I'll call it a day. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1 verse (laughs) 3. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. I I want the King James Version. And let's start by reading from verse 3 to verse 10. The Bible says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Wow. Hmm. Wow. I want you to be very interactive with your neighbor. eh? So say, since we heard of your faith. Then ask another one, what have they heard about your faith? Okay, let's continue. And of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof... Ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it does also in you. Since the days you heard of it, 
and know the grace of God in truth, as you also learned of Epaphras. So if you're looking for a name to name somebody, you can name them Epaphras or Colossians. Take your pick. Our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, I want you to pay attention to this part. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh-huh. Let's go. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this message that I'm sharing today is very helpful, firstly for believers, because some of the stuff I'll share today will take you back to basics. It will take you back to foundations, because if the foundations are destroyed, what would the righteous do? Might we add that if foundations have a challenge, even righteous people can appear wicked. That's why foundations are very, very important. And then for those who will be joining us in the faith today, it's very important. It will be very instructive. Take it as your manual. I hope you're following. So the first thing I want to say, when they heard of their faith, immediately there was an expectation. The day you came to Christ, the day you got born again, immediately there were expectations. That is why, for example, I'll give you an example of something I do. I try to the best of my ability to save um, almost everyone's number in church. And every now and then, I might view one or two statuses. And if it's not matching expectations, I'll ask. I'll be like, what's this? <laughs> whether it's in doctrine, whether it's in dress code, whether it's in some interesting quotes of some wisdom, and they're like, I'll send an ear, and I'll ask, like, explain it to me. Teach me, please. Or help me understand further. Why? Because the day you got saved, there was an expectation. That is also, and the expectation is not just from me. It's also from other believers. That's why when we call the altar call, we don't like it if you say, no, I'll just say the prayer in my heart. How would we know? We need to have expectations of you. You must come to the front. Hey. <laughs> now we're going somewhere. Now, it's not just we who have an expectation of you. God has an expectation of you. God has an expectation of you. And one day, you're going to have to stand before him to discuss the expectations. And with God, you can't do expectation management. No God from me. Don't expect me to be on fire. I'm just one of those. No, no. You're going to have to have a discussion with God with regards to expectations. The video is being played on my screen. Now, why is there an expectation. 
why is there an expectation? And in particular, I'll focus more on God's expectation because we are just the byproducts of it. Number one, because a real sacrifice was made for you to be forgiven. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine um, it's one of your favorite days of your childhood. You know the day I'm talking about, right? Open day. The day you would look forward to the most. You loved it so much that you would clean the house well that day and prepare a very good meal. Now, I want you to imagine, and that's the day that if you know that there's a teacher you used to provoke, you'll be like, hey, has you come now? Now, notice something. Ideally, they prefer that you go with a guardian. They, they don't even like it if you just carry some cousin. No. Ideally, they prefer you go with a guardian. Why? They want you to go with somebody who's got an expectation. Somebody who's actually invested. Now, as you are doing, your, when that guardian comes, their interest is not necessarily other people's children, unless they want to boast. But their interest is not necessarily going about telling everyone else, this, you, this. No, that's not the expectation. Their interest is you. Because you're the one they've invested in. Worse off if they are paying high levels of fees. Find others get slapped and stuff like that. Because idea. <laughs> Why? Because ideally, when you invest, you expect a return. So there was a real sacrifice that was made. I'll give you another example. Have you ever given somebody money which meant a lot to you? Like, you know, there's, there are times where you give money. Then there's that one where when you give it, you start feeling like an empty space somewhere. Like, like there's something missing. You know? Maybe there's even a backache all of a sudden. <laughs> and then who's ever had like a miraculous curing? Maybe you were feeling low. And then there was a TXN on your phone. Suddenly, like... <laughs> Oh, I'm fit today. <laughs> now, imagine you sacrificed money because somebody came and said, I really need to pay school fees. I really need to pay school fees. And then you find that they didn't do that. They went shopping. A real sacrifice was made for you to be a believer. Isaiah 53. Now, we, most of us know verse 4 and verse 5. So I'll take it, that one is a memory verse. Let's go to verse 10. This is after we are told uh, by his stripes we are healed. It says, and you can give me the New King James now, from now. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Take note. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. It pleased God to bruise Jesus. Hey, that sounds strong. But then notice why. It says, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Look at the next verse. It says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. 
What is this? What, 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 what is that saying? Here's Jesus. He's whipped. He's, like, so many things happen to him. And ultimately, he pays the ultimate price. And then it says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The reason is, one day he's going to look at the labor of his soul and will be satisfied. And who's the labor of his soul? You and I. So a real sacrifice was made. Let's look at a few other points. Another reason why there's an expectation is because at the resurrection, what happened is this. We were actually born again. Now, somebody may say, Pastor, is that really a point? Listen. When you study salvation, you notice that salvation is a package. And the early ingredients of the package dealt with the old man, such as he was forgiven um, and, and, and all those things. He's forgiven of his sin and all that. But then, as you proceed with salvation, you, know, you, you notice that was achieved by his death. Then you observe that there was his burial. Old man has passed away. But then at the resurrection, there is the new creation. That's why in Romans 6, 4, we are told that we may live the newness of life. So at the new creation, it's not just that you were forgiven. It's beyond being a forgiven person. It's not like, oh, this, is, this person is a sinner. It's just that they've been saved by grace. Grace doesn't leave a person being a sinner. It doesn't leave them being a sinner. At the stage of the new creation, they are literally born again. Kubadwa nafuti. Maybe that makes it make more sense. So it's like, it's, it's, it's not like they become a changed person. No, they're a new creation. So, it's a baby. Now, here's something. I know one or two things about babies, you know. Of late, I preach a lot on them. Um, <laughs> birth always comes with a demand for growth. I'll say that again. Birth always comes with a demand for growth. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if the baby looks the same way they looked on day one, no growth five years later. It's no longer adorable. No, at that point, it's not adorable. It's a condition. And it needs urgent attention. If a believer, five years Five years of rededications and rededications. Five years of no growth in their walk with God. It's no longer adorable. It's, <laughs> we've diagnosed, we need to diagnose that condition. Because that, that's not adorable anymore. Birth always comes with a demand for growth. You will see as we go on. As a matter of fact... <laughs> Doesn't it say as new, as new babies crave the spiritual milk that you may grow? So the fact that at the stage of being born again, you're a new creation, it's a birthing, it means there's a demand that you must grow. You're not supposed to stay at the same level. I remember when I was leading um, a group of young people and we were about like very few, 10, 11, 12, 13, 
And one time we were having like a prayer session, and I said, let's all pray, and I gave them a prayer point. And then one wonderful sister just lifted her hand, and she wasn't praying, because I don't know why some people do that, where when it's time to pray, they're singing. So she wasn't praying, she just lifted her hand and said, I must confess, it's hard for me to pray. I said, okay. Now, I'm not saying anything about the song, but here's where my challenge came in. The very next week when we're having a prayer session, she, same stance, I must confess, it's hard. And I said, ah, it's no longer adorable. <laughs> There's a challenge there. I didn't pray about it. I don't know if you're getting my point. So what am I trying to say, ladies and gentlemen? At the moment you're born again, there is an expectation that you will grow. The third thing is because a lot of investment has been deposited in the new creation. I can share so many, but let's just read one. Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. Now, this is investment in the new creation. We're no longer even talking about the sacrifice for the old man. In the new creation, it says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom so having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to imagine you're told to prove that you're serious, God, to prove that you're serious, leave a deposit. And then the deposit he leaves is the Holy Spirit. Who's ever heard of someone giving everything as a deposit? <laughs> you know, I remember uh, some years ago, I was in China, and one of my last nights there, I decided to go about, and I wanted to buy something. For the sake of it, have you ever just wanted to buy something just for, for purposes of buying? And so I went about, and I found this interesting cake. It had tomatoes, it had, like, among other things. And so me and the people were not really communicating the same language, because I only knew how to say ni hao. And so... I pointed at the cake, then what I did, I called uh, one of our daughters, who I knew knew Chinese, and they interacted. And so when they were done interacting, she tells me, okay, so he said, pay. I've told him the address of your hotel, they'll bring it. I said, okay. I paid. I was not given a receipt. Hmm. I said thinking twice, because <laughs> first thing, the moment I stepped out, I was never going to remember the shop. I was just walking. I went back for sure. As I was reaching the door of my hotel, they were there at the door waiting for me. I said, this level of loyalty. And I said, in Zambia. <laughs> Zambia, sometimes you have to be a tough one. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is, at that point, I left everything as the, as, as the deposit. I imagine God gave us the Holy Spirit as the deposit. A lot of investment has taken place. Tell your neighbor, back to basics. Tell another one, it's time to grow. Now, 
Ideally, what is expected of a believer is growth. And I want to zero in on this one. And I want you to hear this point. Growth doesn't happen in an arbitrary manner. It's not random. You don't just wake up, boom, I've grown. No, pastor, I had a dream that I've grown spiritually. And then I woke up, and by the time I woke up, I had grown spiritually. Spiritual growth doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen like that. The Bible is very clear how people grow. Growth will always be some form of interaction with the ministry of the word, the ministry of the spirit, and the ministry of a teacher. Notice, whenever you see growth, you will trace, maybe there's a direct ministry of the word through somebody studying, or there's a direct ministry of the spirit, or in addition to everything, there's also the direct ministry, especially of a pastor. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. And I can show you scriptures for this. Let's look at them quickly. Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Sometimes I have people asking me, saying, um, Pastor, how can I find uh, the right church? Now, before I was uh, a pastor, I could give like very objective views. Now, my views are, of, of course, very subjective. I, I usually only have one in mind. But then, you know the objective view that I give? I say the challenges, um, scripturally, I've, maybe you'll show me, I'm yet to see a promise of perfect churches. That's not what, that's not what you promised. I tell them, you're looking for the wrong thing. Start by looking for a pastor. And if that pastor meets under a tree, that's your church. <laughs> the first thing God gives a child is a parent before he gives, and the parent is the one that gives them a home. Sometimes the home, <laughs> sometimes the home may not have DSTV, but it's their home. <laughs> sometimes things may still be improving in that home, but it's their home. I don't know if you're getting my point. So the ministry of a pastor will help a person grow, right? And then it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a challenge if a baby doesn't want to eat. It's a challenge. As a matter of fact, if a baby doesn't want to eat, you have to go to the hospital because it's a challenge. And then we're being told that as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That shows you something, ladies and gentlemen. That in essence, unless somehow, of which that's not the case for any of you looking at the abundance of grace here, unless somehow you've been deprived of the ministry of a pastor, spiritual growth is up to you. Spiritual growth is a choice. You can decide whether to grow or not. Listen, it's not, here's what I'll tell you before you want to blame Satan for your lack of spiritual growth. Who will get judged? You know, this issue of blaming Satan, the challenge is this. That guy has already been judged, and he wants to drag you in with him. It's still you who will give a personal account for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you must 
position yourself in such a way that you understand God's word. Let me say this. When I make that statement, sometimes people look at me a certain way. Do you know that understanding God's word is actually up to you from the scriptures? Have you read the parable of the sower? The first seed, Jesus said, this is those who hear the word and don't understand it. Why is he blaming them for their lack of understanding? The same way the lecturers blame you if you can't pass their exam. Why? Because as far as they are concerned, as long as they lecture you the way they are supposed to, it's up to you to go back and read. It's up to you to go back and study. It's up to you to put that stuff in your head. And then they will examine you based on whether you understood what they taught. That's why they don't examine themselves. They examine you. And sometimes the reason why people don't want to grow spiritually is that they don't, they, why, why people don't grow is that they don't want to go through the necessary processes. The necessary processes. Uh, let, let me tell you what I mean. Do you know that no matter how bad things were to go in your life, maybe I've never heard of it. So far, the institutions that I've studied, and there are one or two, they've, I've never seen them give a compassionate degree. No, this one has been going through a lot in life. In first year, they lost this one. Second year, they had a heartbreak. Third year, they only paid on the last minute. Fourth year, this. So out of compassion, we've given you a degree. No, they can give you more time. They can give you more tests. They can give you supplementaries. But you can't be given a, a compassionate degree. Why do you expect them in the body of Christ then? You're not going to grow. Listen, you're not going to grow by just sitting. You're not going to grow by not attending the meetings. You're not going to grow with that mindset because scripturally, <laughs> there has to be some work for a person to grow. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason some of us are not growing is because we don't take certain things seriously. Hey, are you there? God expects you to grow. Not age, but grow. Let me show you another scripture. Hebrews 5 verse 12. Sometimes you hear somebody say, I've been born, me, I've been there. I've been born again since 1969. And then sometimes, and I'm not saying this with any disrespect or anything, you find the person doesn't even know basic doctrine. Meaning they've been aging, not growing. Notice. No, notice this. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. What was he trying to say? He was saying that, look, from the time you got saved up to now, by now we expect you to be at a level of a teacher. Now, a teacher in this context doesn't necessarily mean we'll ordain you and we'll give you a title and stuff like that. But it means that you're in a position as a believer where you can inspire others. You can, you can literally, you can lead a person to Christ, disciple them, model them after your example, and they'll be firm believers. Can we bring a believer under your care? Can we bring a new Christian under your care? Knowing, and we just tell them, look, everything you want to know about Christianity, just look at that one. Whatever you, just everything you see, that's the real Christianity. So he's saying by this time, meaning as at a certain period of time, there was a certain level of growth that was expected. Praise God. So, I don't know, you've been born again five years. How many demons have you cast out? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves such questions. 
How many demons have you casted out this year? Why am I asking? The Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. How many sick people have you at least attempted to pray for them? I don't know if somebody is getting my point. You've been born again six months. Have you ever witnessed the word to somebody? Have you ever shared the word of God with somebody? You've been born again one month. Have you ever stood in intercession with someone? Like today, I'm just, it's, it's, today it's not about me. I'm just going to just take a few minutes to just pray for sister this and brother this. Even just two people. Meaning, as at a certain time, you're expected to be growing. Now, apart from growth, do you know what else God expects from you? Participation. Participation. Think about this. And I'll use a home example again. By the time a child is reaching a certain age, they begin to participate in the affairs of the home. Very important affairs. I remember very, very important affairs my dad said making me participate in as I grew in age. There was one time I remember I was outside, I was playing football. And he said, he, used to, he preferred my middle name. He said, my daddy saw. And I ran. He said, pass me the remote. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the remote and he said, find me something to watch. What do you want to watch? I don't know. Just keep scrolling. <laughs> I went back outside afterwards. And he called me again, mad dolly so. And I came back. He said, scratch my back. <laughs> What am I trying to say? That a person begins to grow, you're expected to begin to participate. Even in the body of Christ, we expect you to participate. You were not born to be dormant. You were born to be fruitful. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That you may bear fruit and your fruit may last. That's John 15, 16. You're expected to participate. We have a conference like this one. How many people are you responsible for that you're the one who brought them? As in, when you were in your gap, when you were in high school five years ago, you were always on the free bus. Gap year, you were always on the free bus. All four years of university, including maybe the semester you had to do again, you were always on the free bus. You're working. Your salary has increased. You're still on the free bus. Now, I've got no challenge with you being on the free bus if it's along your area. But you've not even contributed a 10 quarter to pay for three people's seats. Promotion has come. You're still on the free bus. Matter of fact, you even packed your car and said, ah, let me save my fuel for today. Because this side, there are some people who've uh, parted ways with their finances so that I can sit on the free bus. That's a lack of participation in the body of Christ. That's a lack of being fruitful. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear that there's evangelism. And you know, let me tell you something. In the body of Christ, the, the day you stop participating is the day you stop enjoying it. That's the day you start admiring when the come and you want to be at the concert. To do what? Like what's there? What's there? The day you stop participating 
that's the day it stops being enjoyable. And that's why Satan would do as much as he can to stop your participation. He would do whatever he can. Now let me just finalize. We've gone quiet. <laughs> you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> Another requirement of you is for you to walk worthy of your calling. Let me show you a scripture. First Timothy 6, let's start from verse 9. But I'll draw attention to verse 11. Now, walking worthy of your calling, we can look at it in two ways. One of them is in living a godly life. We, we can't remove this from Christianity. Otherwise, we're, we're really just playing games. We can't remove it. He's describing what people of the world are doing. And he talks about, he, you would have to read from earlier. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction. Continue. For the love of money is a root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. What else should you do? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. O child of God, flee these things. Flee these things. Flee. I don't know if somebody's hearing me. No, I just... Me, my only desire in life is just to be in a relationship at any cost. Flee these things. No, flee these things. Like, pursue godly things. Have I said there's anything wrong with a relationship? No, but at any cost, there's a problem. Because for some people, it's a relationship which has costed them their Christianity. Imagine that. Flee these things. And then what must you do? You fight the good fight of faith. In addition, walking worthy of your calling also means living a supernatural life. Let me just say this and let me say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me and hear me well. Hear me and hear me well. Miracles, signs, and wonders are a benchmark for every believer. As a matter of fact, I'll put it like this. For me, the same way I'm concerned if I see a person not living a godly life, I'm also concerned if I see them not walking in signs and wonders. For me, it's a sign of alarm. Someone would say, Pastor, you place it, aren't you placing too much emphasis on it? Have you ever read John 3? John 3, 1, Nicodemus comes and says, we know you are a teacher sent from God, for no one can do the works you do unless God was with him. Acts 10, verse 38, when Peter is giving a history of Jesus, he didn't say, you know, Jesus was uh, so nice and always said nice things. No, he goes to say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. His legacy was that of power. There were many good people, yes, but his legacy was that of power. And what did he do with the power? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 
God wants you to live a supernatural life. It should bother you if there are certain supernatural things that are not happening in your life and also through you. Now, when I say bother you, I'm not saying get discouraged. I mean get on your knees. Go and shake yourself and let it come out. I don't know if you're getting my point. But it, a believer must live a supernatural life. Somebody say glory. glory. And you know, I'm going to share these few keys with you. And on that one, you can go ahead and read um, Romans 10, verse 5 to 8. There's a revelation on that one, but maybe for another whim. <laughs> now, for you to become this productive Christian that we want you to be, I want to just give you very, very few keys, three of them. Number one, don't leave God out of your life. I was asked a question recently, the usual question I'm asked about balance. And I gave my usual answer. And one of the things I said is, the challenge that we have with many people is that they've segmented their lives. They have a spiritual life. They have a love life. They have a school life. Everything is segmented. You don't leave God out of anything. Your whole life is your spiritual life. As a matter of fact, sometimes we just use that term for purposes of just, you know, um, people understanding what we're saying. Ideally, we, should, we shouldn't even be asking, how's your spiritual life? We should be asking, how's life? He didn't come that you may have a spiritual life. He came that you may have life and have it in abundance. And it's from that overflow of life that you live in every other sector of life. It's from that divine influence. In Colossians, we're told, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord. That's why you approach this week in the name of Jesus. And in all your endeavors, you're giving glory to God. Now, when I said don't leave him out, one of the strangest scriptures I've seen for me is Revelation 3.19 to 20. It says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So when you've lost zeal, there's need for some repentance. No, when I say repentance, sometimes people always think it means there's something you're doing wrong. Sometimes it may mean there's something you're not doing right. Because when you've lost zeal, there could be a chance that there's something that you used to place importance on that you're not placing importance on anymore. Now, he goes on to say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now, let me tell you why this is a very strange scripture. Because firstly, it shows us the salvation story, right? How... Um, it's a very good scripture to use when it comes to the salvation story. But you know what bothers me about it? It was written to the church. Imagine Jesus knocking at the doors of his own church. It means he's left out. Imagine being born again and the Lord is knocking saying, please be consulting me in some of these my decisions of yours. <laughs> Imagine that. Sometimes it's just merely informed. Don't leave him out. Even when he comes, look at this. Matthew 19, verse 25. Jesus says, Jesus tells them about how, maybe let's start from verse 24. Very quickly, please. Matthew 19, from verse 24. If I could please have it. 
I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if the disciples were broke or had plans on remaining broke all their life, they would have celebrated this scripture. Notice how they answered. They were like, Kai, <laughs> who then can be saved? <laughs> I think they had plans in that area. Next verse, look at this. He said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Someone may be asking, hey, pastor, in this generation, with all the wickedness, with all the, the feelings I have in my body, with all the things that I'm taught by people, all the things that I hear around, how can I really live a godly life? With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So don't leave him out. Live every day with him. That's the key. Don't leave him out. Take it one day at a time, but live every day with him. You can live a godly life. You can live a supernatural life. You can be growing as a believer. You can be a fruitful believer, but don't leave him out. That's a key that you must know. Our final key. Actually, the penultimate one. Don't lose your sensitivity to him. This sensitivity is very easy to lose when you become unresponsive to him. Luke 24, verse 32. Look at from verse 30. Is somebody here being instructed in the way? Say, I'm being instructed. Now, it came to pass. Now, this was on the road. Do you remember when he met the gentleman on the road to Annaus? And then um, he asked, what are you guys talking about? And then they looked at him and said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? They answered Jesus a penalty and began to explain. And then afterwards, he rebuked them. And then when he sat at the table, he, he took bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Next verse. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Here's a scary part. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us on the road. And well, he opened the scriptures to us. Somebody say glory. glory. Notice that. It says, did not our hearts burn within us? Meaning there was something they were sensing within them. Why didn't they respond? Why didn't they respond to it? What happened? You used to lift up your hands. What does it take for us to get you to lift up your hands in worship now? Why are you becoming unresponsive? To a moment of worshiping God. What happened? You'd praise God with us. Does it have to take a powerful sermon to get you to praise God? I know, think about it. What happened? You are faithful with your giving. Do you need us to promise a two hour miracle turnaround breakthrough for you to give? It means in that moment, and, and here's the thing about spiritual things the moment you keep ignoring the burning in your heart, eventually you stop feeling it. And everything just becomes religion. No wonder he could tell a church saying, go back to your first love. Like, go back again. You need to feel again. You need to love again. And come on, some of us in this meeting today need to just forget. If it means you swap seats, you go sit with a stranger. So that today you can just get on your knees and just lift your hands and just raise your voice again. The Lord has missed hearing you do that. Praise God. Finally, don't forget the cause. Always remember the cause. Always remember the cause. That we've got a purpose on this earth. 
Once you discover the purpose, that's a sermon for another day. <laughs> I want every hand lifted and every eye closed. Actually, please may the hands go down for now. But every eye closed. And I want to pose a question because I want to call an auto call. And this auto call is twofold. The first part of this auto call is that as I've been speaking, there are some people who've been sensing in their heart that they are not born again. They've been sensing in their heart that their name is not registered in the kingdom of heaven. As a matter of fact, if the Lord Jesus came back right now, it may be a challenge for them. Some of you may have been brought up in a religious home, but maybe you've not had a moment where you've confessed him as Lord. Some people listening to me have been worldly in what they've been doing. Maybe you've been living a worldly life. Listen, you don't have to go and edit it first. You come here and with that change, you'll be able to edit all those things. There are others who are listening to me who perhaps you used to walk in the right path, but you've lost your way. And today is that day of rededication. Now, without feeling shy, without saying, I'll do it in my chair. If any of you would like to respond to this protocol, raise your hand and raise it high. You can do it right now. I've already said seeing the hands. Keep raising them. Just keep, keep, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on raising them. Keep on raising them. Keep on raising Just keep, just keep them raising. And listen, if you're in a state of maybe... Is it me? It's usually you. It's usually you. Don't, the Lord is knocking. Lift, lift, lift. Keep lifting, keep lifting. Keep lifting, keep lifting, keep lifting. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to stand. Stand, and we're going to invite you to come to the altar. Just stand, 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 stand. Stand. Now, I'll, I'll just say the prayer one more time for the sake of the online audience. If you've received online, I want you to say after me because the sound was interrupted. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. Amen. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.